welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today's topic is the innovation process. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who supported the company so far. If you haven't got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative.co. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching at murdycreative.co to see the best of our product shots. Follow us to be up to date with our daily photos and be the first one to know about new product launches. You can also use the subscribe button at the bottom of our website to be included in all of our new latest announcements. Be sure to check out our laser engraving personalization options and exclusive colors on the website, or you can get a blank one on Amazon Prime. All right, so I am feeling a little bit better from last week. I was able to take a little bit of time at the end of the week, um, and I'm excited to be back, right? There's a lot of work to be done. You know what? I've liked to been gone for longer. Yeah. Did the first day of my vacation, a.k.a. Thursday, involve me working till about three in the afternoon? Yes, but there will be more time. There will always be more time for me to take a break. And more importantly, there is work that needs to be done right now that if I don't do it now, we will be in bigger trouble later. So I sacrifice a little bit now and later I can enjoy my summer, hopefully, and I can get us on the right track. And well, frankly, it's not good for me to just sit around and stew about the bad things. So today we're talking about the innovation process. And actually, we're going to talk broader about the concept of processes in general. This all is coming from my Dale Carnegie course from last week. I'm very excited. By the time you're actually watching this episode, um, I will be at the second of my Dale Carnegie courses, the second um, session. So hopefully I'll come back from that with even more stuff to share with you guys. But one of the things we're going to be talking about today is how do you make innovation happen predictably? How do you predictably and reliably innovate? Which is, seems counterintuitive, and there, it is kind of, and, you, and you'll see where I'm going with this in a little bit, but moral of the story, let's talk about the why we need to innovate. This weekend, this last couple of days, was a perfect example of why you need to have a process for innovation. This company was built on me just being brilliant, right? I was just going to come up with these great ideas and here they all go and I'll be the brains of the operation and all that other good stuff and all that other nonsense. And that's not really true. Obviously, the, ex the incredible hard work of my team, the brilliance of the administrative team who've been able to put together incredible processes and which are brilliant and innovative in their own right. Um, but, but in my mind, right, as the visionary, as the product developer, I've always kind of been the guy that it's like, well, it's up to Colin to come up with the ideas, right? Which is good in a lot of ways, right? It allows me to kind of feel like I'm important and, you know, gives me that sense of ownership. But, but it's also bad because it traps me into the mindset that I'm the only one in this company that can push the company forward, which is a flawed mindset just kind of on the outset. But from a greater perspective, it also means that I am quite literally trapped in the company, forced to be here. So this is an interesting kind of mindset shift. And it's a big mindset shift for me because to be honest, I think of myself as the person who's in charge of the innovation for the company. I think of myself as that role. The operations, the organization, the execution of the day-to-day, -day, all of the little details that make everything go out the product, that's not my strong suit and that's not really where I see myself um, in the company. That's why I have such an amazing admin team. But the, the person who's in charge of coming up with not only the brilliant products and the next great thing for us in that regard, but also whose job is to innovate on our marketing, to innovate on the way we um, reach customers, uh, and all of the other elements that go into innovation, right, into moving the company forward. That's all of what I think of as my realm. Now, that puts you in a tight position because that means if you go on vacation for a little while or you take a break or you step away, what, is the company just supposed to coast? Now, what if you try to do that for a month 
or two or sixth, right? What if you try to move on to a new project and you're not in the company every day? So Dale Carnegie talks a lot about, well, I don't know exactly if Dale Carnegie talked about this a lot, but in the Dale Carnegie course, we talked a lot about how you need to be developing processes so that people can mimic you and your brain and your excellent leadership in your absence, be it a long absence or a short absence, which frankly makes it perfect, like it's perfectly logical to do that. So today I'm going to talk about a little bit about what that innovation process is. Now, I referenced earlier that there's really kind of two different types of innovation. There's this breakthrough innovation, right, which is this idea where you come up with something totally novel, something that is out of left field that's never been done before, never been tried before, is totally unexpected. Some sort of breakthrough innovation like that often can make you a market leader. It's the kind of thing that can be really impressive and it can really change the course of, you know, the world. But that kind of breakthrough innovation is rare and it's often very risky. Which is fine if you're the person willing to take that risk and if that's what you want, but that's not necessarily the type of innovation that you want your team to do in your absence necessarily. You want your team to be able to make what's considered incremental innovation, right? You want them to come up with the next best thing. And the next best thing, by the way, inherently implies that it's coming from something, right? It's the next thing, right? So there's an interesting process that you can use to do this. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that process and some of the elements. Now, to clarify, I don't think all of these are Dale Carnegie's thinking. They could be. I'm not 100% sure on exactly where they come from specifically. I just know that they are being taught in the Dale Carnegie leadership course. So take that for what it's worth. So first step is to uh, visualize, which is the idea of, of think about the product that you're working to innovate on. And by the way, you don't have to limit yourself to saying, okay, the product is um, a journal, a mini cut journal, right? You don't, have to, you don't have to be that specific. You can say, visualize, you can say, the thing I want to innovate on is the marketing that the company is doing, right? So it's more about saying, pick the specific thing that you want to innovate on a starting point. Fact-finding is the first step. You want to talk about what it is now. What are elements of it? And you can be specific. We used as an example, for the first example in the, in the course, we just used a water bottle. And he put up a couple of pictures of water bottles and he said, just write everything you can think about about that product, right? Every element of that product. And so we wrote things down. Plastic, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, shaped in a cylinder. It's got a, a, a label, a paper label that's colorful in some cases, right? So we included all of the things. So you want to you do the fact-finding part of the process where you can just state on, and there, you want to write this actually down in, in, on a piece of paper. And you just want to find out all of what it is now. The next step is problem. You want to work on saying, okay, what is the problem that we want to solve? What is the thing that we want to change? And that leads into kind of the idea finding. Now, this goes into the next piece of this puzzle, which is the red light, green light thinking. So in the green light thinking, which is all part of this idea of finding and this problem solving, the idea, the green light thinking is that there are, it's just, there's no judgment brainstorming and it's all about quantity, right? You are not talking about the quality of the ideas. You're not talking about, you just want to put down as many things that you think you could change on the piece of paper. I'll give you an example with the water bottle because we'll just continue with that example. I put down a cardboard, right? Maybe we use a waxed cardboard for the, the container. Uh, we put down making them square, right? Now, this point, in, in all of those, you know, my dear brother Marcus, if you're listening, you may go, that's not a good design. It's actually a great design, but that's not the point. 
the point is that you want to use green light thinking all ideas are valid. And this is the point where it's not about good ideas or bad ideas. It's about valid ideas, ideas that are real. And by the way, they don't actually have to be that real either. So I, I guess I'm limiting myself even further in that point. The whole point of green line thinking is literally just go. Just put down as many ideas as you can. And it's actually really quite fun when you think about it this way. To give you another element of this kind of the way this process works is they had us, they took a sheet of paper and there was just a bunch of circles on it. And they said, write in the circle everything that you can think of in 60 seconds that is round. Go. Well, that... I'm scrambling, okay, cookie, and then I wrote down ball, and then I wrote down shower rod, and all these other elements, right, and I, and then eventually, we, he asked us, well, what'd you come up with, and, you know, someone said ball, and he goes, okay, anybody else, got, and he said, okay, tennis ball, golf ball, basketball, baseball, now, all of you are thinking to yourselves, well, that's the same thing, they're all just balls, that's not the point, the point is, they aren't the same thing, they're similar things, they're the similar shape, but they're actually, like, they're adjacent, right, well, then you could say, well, planets, okay, well, all of the, Earth, Mars, all, you know, they're all planets, right? So now you've got this thing where it's like you start off in a specific point of ball and then you expand into all of the adjacencies, golf ball, basketball, all these other elements. And that's where this kind of side along thinking works, right? So this is where this green light thinking innovation works. You want to come up with all of the things that are related to the idea. The next is solution finding. Um, and then that solution finding is kind of saying, okay, it's still not really red light thinking, right, which is the next step. It is still kind of pseudo green light thinking, which is the solution finding, which is basically saying, how do we work on kind of improving, expanding upon the best of the ideas per se? I know that obviously sounds like you're doing some limiting, but it's not, right? Then there's acceptable, uh, acceptable um, or sorry, acceptance, which is saying that you are working on figuring out out of these ideas. Uh, and the solution finding might be the red light thinking, so I could be gotten this wrong, but, but the acceptance is the next step. So red light thinking, just to go back to that, is focusing on the quality. You find the best ideas of the green light thinking, right? So now we're past brainstorming, we're past coming up with new ideas, and we're working on saying out of these 65 ideas, what are the two of them that actually are good, right? And you have to figure those good ones out based off criteria. And I'll give you an example. A criteria that was used for us with the water bottle was it has to not cost any additional or change. It, I should say, I should clarify. It should not change the process of manufacturing at all. So it should be able to be done on the same line, the same production line it currently is on. And it should not cost, increase the cost in any way. Right? Those are two criteria. Well, with those criteria, you can go back through your list of ideas and say, okay, which one of these ideas, which of these ideas fits that criteria? And now you've got a couple of, now you've got out of the 65, maybe you've got five that fall into the category, the criteria of not going to increase costs, not going to change the production process. Well, those five, then you figure out the best ones, you distill them. That's kind of the red light thinking. We're just saying, how do you find the best of the green light? Now you've got the acceptance, right? In the, by, I realize, I remember now that I'm saying this out loud with the acceptances in my notes here. Acceptance is saying, how do you as a collective, how do you as a group determine which of the ideas you're going to move forward on? Now, this is hard for me to think about because I'm thinking about this going, well, I'm the boss. We'll just go with whatever ideas we'll say we'll go with, right? Well, that's pretty narrow thinking. And frankly, if you, you can kind of think about this this way, it's easier to think about it if you go, what if you're not there, Colin? How does the group determine which idea to go forward with, which, what does the group accept in your absence, 
as the innovative process, as the thing to innovate on, right? That's a better question. It's a little takes my ego out of it a little bit. And the answer really is, how do you get that acceptance? And really, you have to determine beforehand what the criteria for acceptance will be. And it's not just the criteria of, oh, this is the process of, you know, we can't change the process, we can't change the cost. This goes back to even the criteria of, is this a democracy? Do we vote on which idea we think is the best? Are there certain individuals who are tasked with um, discerning which is the best? And it's just a handful of people. It's like a republic, right? You to vote on who you want to represent you. Is it the kind of thing where only the admin team gets to vote, right? And you may say, well, what's the point of these different things? The answer is because depending on how you determine which to follow, depending on how you determine which process to, to use to, to vote on the best idea, that can change whether people accept the idea and execute the idea themselves, right? Then the next step is implementation, which is exactly what it sounds like. How do we execute this problem, right? How do we work on saying this is the innovation? We've come up with all these ideas. We've determined that these are the best ideas. We're now we need to execute these ideas. Here's how we're going to implement them. And this is what we're going to do. And then the last one is obviously follow up, making sure that you actually implemented them correctly and that they worked the way you thought they would. And if they didn't, how to adapt them. Then there was this question that was, this is the, this is the proper question to ask. In what way can we? Right? Now, a lot of times we'll present ideas to people, either top down or bottom up, right? It's either I'm walking into the office saying to the guys, this is what we're doing, or the guys are coming to me saying, I think we should do this, right? And the tendency can be, I don't think we should. I don't think we can, right? Well, the proper response really, or the proper way to think about it is in what way can we, right? Because maybe we can't do the whole idea. Maybe we can't do the entirety of the idea. Maybe we can't do the idea right now. Maybe we can't do the idea in the way that we were thinking about doing it, right? In what way can we changes the question to saying the idea itself may be solid, but the way to make it happen may not be as clear, as concise, or as specific as you originally intended. Now, I'm actually really excited about this process. I really want to try this process in our company soon. Maybe not today, obviously, but soon. And what I'm meaning by that is what we're going to do is this. I'm going to hold the marker. I'm going to write down the ideas. and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. The only thing I'm going to do is moderate. And by that, I mean, if someone starts to go into red light thinking when we're in the green light phase, I'm going to bring them back into green light. So that's the point. But moral of the story is it's my job to be the one to close my mouth, hold the marker, and write down the ideas. Now, I can come up with the criteria, right, if I want. Uh, and I could say something like, well, we're not doing anything that costs us anymore. We're not doing anything that's in new materials, right? Whatever the criteria I pick, we can, I can pick the criteria. But they won't know the criteria before we start. I'm the only one that knows the criteria. And I'm the one writing down and I'm keeping my mouth shut because I want them to let their ideas flow. And this incremental innovation can be a lot of things. And for us, I can see how. If this process, if we can practice this process with me in the room, keeping my mouth shut, if we can get good at understanding how this process is supposed to work and we can get down to the point where I can be confident and comfortable that the team can do this process without me, suddenly then, if I wanted to go on a vacation, if I wanted to take paternity leave when my next child comes in September and I wanted to actually step away from the company for a couple of weeks to be able to spend time with my wife and my now two children, right? If I wanted to do that, I could do that knowing that the company is not going to stagnate in my absence is in instead, I'm going to have a team of people who know how to innovate and how to come up with innovative ideas and how to work together to innovate ideas 
and how they can know how to then execute them in my absence, right? And that's a really powerful tool. It's a really powerful tool to relieve myself of the burden of being the only one to come up with ideas, which has never been true, and it's really a dangerous way to think. But not only that, it creates a culture. If I keep, if I keep in my head and in my attitudes that I'm the one that's in charge of coming up with the innovation, it actually stymies the ideas of the rest of the team, either advertently or inadvertently. Either consciously or subconsciously, if I'm the one that, if, if Colin's always the one that comes up with the ideas and everyone on the team's ideas get never heard and never executed on, they're going to stop coming up with ideas. And that's something that we can't have. We have to have everybody on the team working at their best, being innovative, coming up with new ideas. And by the way, I am under no false belief that I know better necessarily than the people working in the trenches on how to do any specific thing. At some level, even though I have made them in every one of our products and I have made a lot of them recently, it is definitely, it's in my favor and it behooves me well to let my team say, I think we can improve on the process in this way. Because even if I disagree, at the very least, hearing the other ideas may trigger something in me that think, well, maybe we should change in this other way. This is a good process. I like it. I think you could execute this. I think it is a repeatable, specific process that will allow for, at the very minimum, side-along innovation. For all I know, there could be breakthrough innovations that come out of this process as well, but that's not really our target. Our target is the side-along innovation, so I think we're going to be really excited to see how that evolves. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to check back in next Thursday for our next topic. And don't forget to check that subscribe button as well as notification bell to get notified of our latest podcast as soon as it launches. If you have any questions or concerns about your leather binder, journal, folio, or anything else we sell, please feel free to contact us on the main page of our website at murdycreative.co or you can contact us via Instagram and Facebook. You can text, email, call, direct message, all the usual tools to get back to you as soon as possible, but we do appreciate your patience. If you have a quick question or you want to place an order over the phone, please feel free to call us at 414-434-9001. We're available Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central Time. You can also text us at that number as well, 414-434-9001. If for whatever reason you don't get a hold of us during work hours or after work hours, please feel free to leave us a voicemail. If you're calling about a specific order, please include the order number in that voicemail. It starts with the number or the letter S and goes on with a couple of numbers. It helps us triangulate which order we're talking about and make sure that we can, there's no confusion on our end. If you think we deserve it, a good review can go a long way to help us grow our new community both a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on, as well as a review on the product itself. You can go read all of our amazing five-star reviews at murdycreative.com, sorry, excuse me, murdycreative.co slash reviews. And you can also go on that page and leave us a good review yourself. There's a button that says leave us a good review. You click on that, it'll take you to facebook.com slash murdycreative.co slash reviews. There's a question on that page. You recommend the Murdy Creative Company. You click yes, and then you can write your review. We love them. We read them. They really do make our day truly. Um, I read them out loud at our staff meetings. Everyone really appreciates them. So please, if you feel so inclined to do that, do that. It really does help us. If for whatever reason you'd leave us a bad review, there's another button on that same page that says get directly in contact with us. It is deeply important to me personally that everyone has a good experience with the company. We will do anything in our power up to and including refunding, replacing, recrafting. We will take care of you. Please, please, please give us an opportunity to do so before you leave us a bad review. Word of mouth is the best form of advertising, so please tell your friends. If you want to get a little something for doing that, check out the rewards program in the bottom left-hand corner of our website. If you click on that panel, it'll open up the rewards panel. Once you've logged in, you get 10% back on any purchase you make as in-store credit, and there's a shareable link there. That shareable link is something that if you give your friends and family, they'll get $10 off their first purchase, and you get $10 off in-store credit. So it's a great way to help the company and share and share alike. So if you have any podcast topics you want to hear more about, send them my way. 
I'm always happy to talk about just about anything we can. And if you'd like, I'm always interested in wanting to know more what you would like to know about. So please send it my way. If you're looking for multiple binders, journals, folios, anything we sell for gifts, giveaways, menu, really any reason, we do have bulk discounts available on our website. You can just mix and match to your heart's desire, add everything you want to your cart, and it will automatically apply the discount. The bulk discount begins at a quantity of five and goes up from there. And it's just based off the total cart quantity, so feel free to mix and match to your heart's desire. If for whatever reason, um, you just you want, you want to know what the discount looks like as a percentage in tiers, please feel free to send us an email, sales, sales S-A-L-E-S, at meridicreative.co. We'd be happy to talk you through the bulk discount program and help you with that. If you're looking for a custom engraved item, we have no minimum order quantities and no setup fees. It's a simple flat fee, normally about $15. It can go up a little bit depending on item and complexity, but it's normally about $15. No setup fees, no minimums. You can get just one. If you're looking to get most of our products, they are available with a personalizer um, directly built into our website. So you'll be able to add your own logo, do all of the repositioning, perfect your design as you see fit, and then purchase it right there without ever having to reach out to us. However, there are still a few items that are still missing from that personalizer. So if for whatever reason the item you want does not show the customize button, please feel free to send us an email, sales at and we would be happy to help. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day and goodbye.